you are listening to The Subtle Forces. I am your host, Anja, not Anja. A well-seasoned poet that I know, named Charlie Rossiter, shot me an email out of the blue. It took me by surprise because he's all the way over there in Vermont. And I am not on Facebook or even currently submitting poetry because a while back I decided to cross the word poet off from my list of identities. But somehow he remembered me and wrote me the following email. Going through my old notebooks to copy out things I want to keep, I discover that on 12-13-2020, I noted this down. What are you sensing that isn't there? Anja. That goes on the page of quotes and one-liners to be kept and reread occasionally for pleasure. Send me more words of wisdom anytime. While I didn't even remember saying that, after reading it, I just had to ask Charlie. Um, uh-huh. what are you sensing that isn't there? Well, I thought that was such a great line. I, I was so happy and surprised because I liked it and thought it was an intriguing statement. So far, what I've come up with is, first, I was thinking, it's kind of silly. If it's not there, how can you sense it? But then, of course, sticking with it, I was thinking, it's, it's actually the earliest stages of creativity. So you were so wise because, because what it is, is you, it, it doesn't exist, but you get the idea that it could exist. Like you're going to write a poem and you see something and there's nothing you think, well, geez, there might be a poem in that. See, at that point, it, the poem doesn't exist. Admittedly, the stimulus exists, but the poem does not exist. And so you're kind of sensing something. I think you are sensing something that is not there. So that's where I put it at the earliest stages, early stage of, of creativity, hmm. sensing something that isn't there. You know, the sculpture, you know, the old thing they say, you know, you got the block of marble, but you really have to whittle away. Everything doesn't exist till you start working at it. And then there's all that wonderful talk that the creativity people do about how you interact with the product. So while you're whittling away, your ideas start to form and possibly change and evolve until finally the whole thing's whatever it is. So that's what I think it is right now. What do you suppose you were thinking of when you said it? Um, I guess like I, I always think of like supernatural things. So I was probably thinking of... Um, 
either the supernatural or anxiety. I feel like anxiety is always a state of uh, perceiving threats that aren't there. Oh, that's or, good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I like your take because it's more of a inspiring goodness. I think sometimes my brain can kind of go down the dark corridor too easily. And so I like hearing <laughs> something that came out of my head and, and hearing the virtuous interpretation from you. Mine's, mine's kind of pragmatic. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not very supernatural. <laughs> I didn't think about ghosts. or I, I, I mean, like I said, you talk about the sculpture or you're going to write a poem or, or a song or something. You get the idea. Maybe there's something there. Yes. It isn't there? And you're thinking maybe it is. I don't know where I heard this, but I have always heard the idea that some sculptors would like take the block of marble or whatever it is and ask it, what do you want to be? And that conversation cool. is a conversation with something that isn't there, right? It's a conversation yeah, really. with imagination, like putting a personality on. Um, an inanimate object is sensing what isn't there yeah. in order to create what isn't there yet. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. That was really good. I'm glad we did, you know, we're doing this because it's one of those ideas I'm just going to live with because it just works. And I can see so many instances of it when I'm trying to write poems, of course, or when I look back at poems I have written and go, Oh, yeah, that's how that worked. I was doing this and doing that, and I noticed that. And then I started writing, and oh, lo and behold, we ended up with a poem. What? Where Where are good places to go to sense what isn't there, Charlie? <laughs> It'll be a cop-out to say everywhere. So I, it's somewhere where you can pay attention, right? I think it's – we're talking mindfulness here, I think. So someplace where you can – uh, that helps you get mindful. Where do you go to get mindful? Where do I go? Oh, there's a couple nice places around here, around our house here in Bennington, Vermont. Uh, up on Bennington College campus, there's this lovely area they call the end of the world. And you're looking out over these mountains and valleys. And they've got some out of rundack chairs sitting out there for the students who want to go out there and chill, you know. And that's that's a pretty nice spot. I'm also a place I like to go. The Appalachian Trail comes right close to town. And so it's a good place to go and you can park the car and just walk in some. And there's a little river that comes through. It's not very big. It's more like a, a vigorous stream. But it's enough to have gurgling over the rocks and boulders. I like those places. I find that's they're both real good. So... What are some of the other things that you've written in your notebook? Um, the poet Sam Hamill, who passed away a couple of years ago, uh, said that poetry says much more than words can say. And I think that kind of gets into that uh, ephemeral realm of, you know, what can you nail down? What actually exists? What can we concretely recognize that exists? Somehow... Even though poetry is words, like artwork, it still says things that go tip beyond, I guess, what is typically words. Deep connotation. 
You know, it's not just what they denote, but it's what they suggest to us. What meanings do we put on it as listeners or readers or viewers or something like that? Yeah. I'll find you another quote. Yeah. This is something about creativity that I just love. I'm not sure if it's super relevant, but I was going through. And this is from Marlon Brando. Just because they say action doesn't mean you have to do anything. Whoa. I mean, it's true. Yeah, I can just picture his face when I read that. I think, yeah. It also suggests the other part of of what we're talking about with art and responses to it, how much we put into it. Because he could be sitting there doing nothing. And the audience is seeing all based on the context and everything else, seeing all this emotion and all this whatever inner turmoil, whatever the character is supposed to be doing. And I just love the statement anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes just, um, again, I'm thinking of mood, but sometimes just feeling what you're feeling without trying to put frosting on it. <laughs> yeah. Goes a long way. Uh, this is, this was, wow. I got this off the wall at the Renwick Gallery in Washington, D.C. It must have been in a men's room. All art-loving people love nature first. Wow. Anonymous public scribbler. <laughs> it's great fun going back to the notebook. It's a pain going back and bringing it out and typing it up, but it's great to have it. <laughs> that is great. You're making me want to start one of just quotes I like. And you never know. And I have... Every once in a while, I say something I like to, and I put it in there. What What have you been like thinking about lately, as an artist, as a poet? Well, it's that vague, undef- kind of undefinable thing. I'm always trying to figure out how to write better poems, and I don't have a very specific definition of better. I don't have a certain kind of poem that I want to write. I want to write poems that are substantial enough, but too many poems ramble on for me, even though they're good, might be good, but they just ramble around too much in modern poetry. But I also want to be able to write some of those longer poems as well. You write this poem, it describes a nice scene. You're pleased with the way it describes it, but who gives a damn? You know, (laughs) so what? So it was a nice scene. Okay. You know, is there any, beyond that uh, purpose or meaning to putting this little description of this nice scene out into the world. I might have become a little better at that over the years at noticing to be sure to have an answer to the, so what question, you know, something about it, about what's, what's the point. Yeah. Do you, I know I didn't um, prepare you for this, but do you have a poem you would like to share? I have a few poems memorized. And so I like to open a reading with a poem that's memorized because I can look right at the audience and not have to look down at all. Assuming I've only forgotten the words maybe once in a hundred times. That's pretty good. This might be the second. This is this is when my three guys from Albany group was traveling around the country, going to the various Albanies. And on our Midwest tour, this poem was written between 
Albany, Illinois, and Albany, Indiana. Sunrise over the Rock River and all over America. People wake to face the day as if nothing were happening. While all around them, mountains are pushed up and weather down. Rivers flex and flow. New life is born. At a truck stop on I-74 outside of Kickapoo, someone is pumping fuel into a diesel engine that spent the weekend in Colorado. Someone's heart got broken last night in Mississippi. And before the day is over, someone in Cincinnati will fall in love. Someone's had enough in leaving home in Topeka. Someone in Tacoma's got the blues. It's a carnival out there, a casino. Which way the cards will fall is anybody's call. One thing's for sure. We're all in this together. At least I'm in. How about you? Come on, ante up and deal. did you go to on your Albany tour? Well, we went out numerous times. We did them as we could. And we've done, uh, I think there's, we've got three to go. I think we may have done 15 out of 18. There are some that just, they're, they're kind of isolated and would be expensive to do. The Midwest we drove and knocked off Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana in a nice little circuit. <laughs> Uh, but but now there's one in California. It's in the Bay Area. There's oh. nothing around it. I mean, there's other stuff, but and it's California, so you wouldn't just drive out there. And there's one. Uh, so oh, Louisiana, but it's it's not close. It's farther west than uh, New Orleans. I think it's Lafayette that's over there, over there, sort of in the Bayou country. It'd be interesting. But in terms of what's around there, you got New Orleans, and then it's a long way east to Tallahassee, and Albany, Georgia's in that part of Georgia, sort of, but it's a pretty good, big distance. So we haven't been to Albany, Georgia, Louisiana, or California, and there's one stuck out there in the middle somewhere, like Missouri. I haven't been there either. Hmm. So, <laughs> uh, what an interesting assignment to give yourself. <laughs> That really worked. I mean, it got us to places, interesting places, and, and we would get enough gigs to pay our expenses, you know, by by living as cheap poets, and people would put us up. I mean, in Albany, Oregon, we we did a reading for the for the historical society for Albany, Oregon, and it was just such a hoot because there was, if you have one local person who gets interested, so this woman who worked part time, I think, at the historical society thought it was a very cool idea. So we went out there. First we arrived and they had a tourist trolley that goes around town. So we had a ride around town on the tourist trolley with the mayor. Then they dropped us off at the radio station for somebody's talk show. Then that night there was a benefit with some local good folk music group for the at the place as a benefit for them for the historical society. And the person who put us up was a nice affluent member of the board and their attic was set up for the grandkids. So, you know, there was like six beds up there for the three of us. And uh, it was just really cool. <laughs> Those things happen. 
We've also gone places where nobody cared and like two people showed up to hear <laughs> us read. <laughs> but that rounds it out. Yeah. Well, in Illinois, before we went down to this kiosk in the park, see, the thing is, this was before email. I'm writing these people letters and calling them up. And so the woman I was dealing with was at the town hall. So we went by to say hi when we got to town before we went down to the kiosk. And when we got there, there was a sign on the door that said, we're down in the park. And that totally moved us. We thought that was so sweet. So she, they closed up the office, went down to the park. And this woman who had brought her water bill to pay went down to the park with us to give it to him because town hall was closed for the big park poetry reading. But the woman with the water bill stayed for the poetry? She did, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it, it led to nice things like that. <laughs> well, in Albany, Minnesota, no one remembered the town ever having a poetry reading. We read at the library there. And we had about 30 people. That means if we were in New York City, we could have filled Yankee Stadium with that same proportion of the local population, you know. We got to town, we called the radio station, and the guy said, sure, come on over. So we just walked in and he interrupted the farm report, talked to us for about 15 minutes and told everybody we'd be at the library that evening. <laughs> I thought that was just extremely, extremely cool. <laughs> that is. So the adventures of poetry, you know, why should, why should the musicians have all the fun? listeners what is the name of your poetry podcast again poetry spoken here that's right and you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts and our entire archive is at soundcloud like 160 half hour episodes of me talking to poets who read poetry cool and they're from the not terribly well known to the really well known Mm -hmm. and yours truly yeah (laughs) That's right, you're on there. Yeah. What am I sensing? that isn't there. I keep thinking that I just finished eating a banana. I can smell the residual sweet flavor and even feel the beginning of a train car (laughs) moving down my internal plumbing system. But I haven't had a banana in over a week. But for some reason, The immediate after effects of banana are coming up in my senses. Hmm. What am I sensing that isn't there? That's an interesting question because I feel there are a lot of things that I sense that actually are there even though maybe they couldn't be seen. That's why I like the idea of the subtle forces so much. 
But the thing that I sense that isn't there I think is when I imagine other people are thinking things that they're not thinking. Mm-hmm. That's something that sometimes I think I'm sensing and it genuinely is not there. So, like for example, I'll think my boyfriend is thinking something or other and he really isn't. <laughs> he's thinking about his own thing or he's thinking about tomorrow at work and he's not thinking at all about um, the things that I'm imagining. This spot is not a mosquito bite, hive, fungus, eczema, or anything like that. The skin there doesn't even look dry. It just itches. I'm sensing all the people I know who died and my cat that died. I sense them all the time. And there's too many of them. How do you sense them? I just remember who they were and I also think of things that they say and did, said and did. And I imagine that I should have, um, in some cases, should have talked to them more or been more present. asleep, I often try to remember the exact layout of the insides of houses that no longer exist to me. In my mind, I walk through the living room of an ex-boyfriend's house, trying to remember everything that was in that room, where and why it was there. Now, when sitting on the western couch On which side did Ginger the dog prefer to sit? Can I even remember it 14 years later? So what? As Charlie Rossiter would say. When a ghost haunts my house, it is the same deal. They're not trying to see what is there now in my era, but rather where they remember stashing their broken parasol. Yeah, my house ghost keeps a broken parasol. That parasol did not run cheap. And even though parasols are long out of fashion, this ghost has kept it, knowing that fashion changes often. And if parasols do come back, Maybe it could be easily fixed. The wind chime. It's in the wrong place. It's it's there, but it isn't. You're sensing where you want it to be. I'm sensing where I want the wind chime to be located. And you should listen to it. 
Let's listen to the wind chime. I'm running over to the silent wind chime that doesn't... My question is, what are you sensing that isn't there? Oh, the, um, there used to be a house there for chickens and the woodchuck lived in it and now there's only one wall left. <laughs> it's not there anymore. Lori, Lori, I have a question for you. What are you sensing that isn't there? What am I sensing but it isn't there? I hear, I hear music, but it isn't there. What kind of music? What, what's the music? Harp. Harp? And the music that sounds like birds. And I hear a distant guitar. isn't there often takes the form of goal setting. If you remember episode 8 of The Subtle Forces, Renting Utopia, in which I spoke with Robert, who spent much of his childhood homeless. As a person, you don't start out like, you know what I should do is break into people's houses and steal the things. But you get there by like getting really hungry or like having no guidance or no resources and you will be pleased to know that he has started a podcast called Have Goals, in which he speaks to people and asks them what their goals are. And it just so happens that in episode two of the Have Goals podcast, I am to be the featured guest. If you want to hear that, follow the link in our show notes. That's our show. Thank you to Charlie Rossiter. You can find his wonderful poetry podcast, Poetry Spoken Here, wherever you get your podcasts. And we've included a link to it in our show notes. And thank you to Heidi for answering my question sitting on your suddenly plusher couch. Thank you to Blaine for driving and managing to remember his dear deceased cat at the same time. Thank you to Mom for your aggravation with the wind chime. Thank you to Lori for still managing to hear imaginary music even over the loud chiming of the wind chime. And thank you to my brother Anton for creating all of the real music that you did indeed sense with your real ears. If you enjoyed this show, I sincerely encourage you to leave a review of it somewhere on the internet because it helps our show to reach 
new ears, my dears. Remember to use both your logic and your feelers. <laughs>